Culture Dumps. Welcome back to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. I'm Parks Miller. And today we are continuing our coverage of Millie Vanilli and the scandal that ensued. If you are listening to this on the Podcast 99 channel, thank you. But please, stop right now and switch over to the Culture Dumps channel. We need to start lighting the fire under that one's ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, Dumps. It's going to be big. It's going to be around for a long time. We yes. Got, we keep digging up more subjects. So, yeah, please uh, give us the follow and uh, let's get into it. Millie yes. Millie 2. All right. So where we left you off, Rob and Fab were discovered by mega producer in Germany, Frank Farion, who already had this perfectly crafted idea of this new pop duo, where it was going to be fronted by these handsome guys that were great at dancing, but the music was going to be tight under his control, and he was going to be responsible for all the songs and in turn get all the money basically from all that, right. whereas these two guys that unknowingly signed one of the shittiest contracts in music history are now... You know, for lack of a better word, prisoners of this guy. Yeah, you know what I think of uh, is the the in sync video. Yeah, uh, bye bye bye. When they're the puppets. Oh, isn't in that the boxes? Is that that is bye bye. Oh, this, the album is called No Strings Attached. Right, right, right. And Lou Pearlman, the the manager of in sync. That that's, that's, that's going to have that. to be a dump too. But yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah, you're kind of. So again. In the past, we had, you know, sort of referred to certain things like, say, like the Rolling Stones using like a keyboard player off stage that they couldn't see. You know, it's and again, even with Boney M, you had that sort of the successful facade on one hand and music by other people. But I guess this is kind of like the blueprint of like this is sort of like a proto boy band. I mean, they were they weren't not called a boy band. Um, It was definitely like an R&B duo. Right. But this like having this like this whole system in yeah. place to it's laying the groundwork where it's like no right. like because usually i mean sex appeal has always been used in music and you know a really hunky pop star you know is was not unheard of by any means but the idea of having multiple men like exude sexuality like just never really sat right with people and i mean that continues into into the boy band days like women are going to go ape shit and a lot of men are going to be like huh you know, right. and, and that's kind of, you know, it, it has its roots with Millie Vanilli, really. You know what I mean? Right. And when and we say boy bands, we're not talking about, like, The Temptations or, like, those are men bands. Man like, band. A boy band is, like, this boyish kind of, like, innocent sexual energy that's, like, made to drop panties and make young women scream and buy albums. Well, I think I think that it's also the difference. I mean, again, yeah, Temptations is kind of, like, setting that blueprint, um, at least in terms of popularity, um, and of course, the Temptations had a ton of drama and you know management issues. But yeah, I mean, as even as a joke, man band or boy band. I think the thing about a boy band is that it did have that incredibly strong, uh, usually like paternal, like pulling the strings puppet master influence yes. uh, into it. Which again, so Jackson Five, you know, in a way is kind of a boy band. Um, obviously, the story turned different because of Michael Jackson and his career. Right, but. Um, they still have the elements of it, but this is different where you're starting to get into that territory of just not writing the music, um, not even performing it, but just kind of like just being the face. Yeah, Be- being the face. That's yeah. the whole thing. So when we left you off, they Robin Fab, a.k.a. Millie Vanilli, had just left for tour with downtown Julie Brown. And now the date, July 21st, 1989. The place... Lake Comp House, Bristol, Connecticut. 
Millie Vanilli take the stage the same way they had a hundred times before, but this time would prove to be very different. When the newly world-famous duo performed their hit song, Girl You Know It's True, the automated playback began to skip during the chorus. According to Fab, the skip only lasted a short time, and the crowd had assumed it was just the DJ cutting up the track. Though they got away with it, the incident was enough to shake up the megastars, and everything began to fall apart. Now, imagine, I, mean, again, I know. Again, no, imagine like oh. your everything is real because again, this is one of those things you look back at it now, and you know how many times have you picked up your freaking like scratched up CD, mm. you know, off the ground, uh, and you try, and you try to like yeah. put it in the player, and you're like, oh, well, this one's fucked. This group is like their dependence is relying on a CD. Dude, someone forgot to blow into the cartridge like, before they loaded oh, up there. Man. You know, someone needed to give the, like the like or like smack the top of the machine first, like yeah. Fonz it. Like they needed the Fonz as a roadie who just like <laughs> fucking hits the machine. It's like, girl, you know it's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, he just he like starts kicking. He's like, Ey. yeah. So uh, <laughs> another great thing about Millie Vanilli in history is that they were the first, I believe, to have an episode of VH1's Behind the Music. And it was the top rated one because the scandal was so huge. And we're going to play a little snippet from that episode of Rob explaining what happened and then downtown Julie Brown explaining what happened. July of 1989, in front of thousands of fans in Bristol, Connecticut, the unthinkable happened. Their pre-recorded vocal track got stuck. I wanted to die. It's stuck. Girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl. 80,000 people. Girl, you know it's girl, you know. You know, I couldn't repeat it 15 times. Girl, you know. It got obvious. So I stopped. I panicked. I ran off stage. Julie Brown, who used to work for MTV, ran after me. I didn't want to go back to stage. I had enough. 80,000 people waiting. I said, I have enough. I quit. So with a bit of pushing and screaming, a couple of F words, I think, as well, um, I got them back out there. And the funny thing is, they got back out there and nobody cared. The audience didn't care. It was more, basically, people were laughing at them behind the scenes. Girl, you know it's girl, you know it's... I love, like, but again, even then, years after, you can still tell the accent is so thick, there's no fucking way that was that. Right. I mean, and the skip is funny because it's... It's kind of catchy in itself. Just the girl you know. That's why no one noticed. You know it's it. not that bad, right? To be and that's a big thing that Julie Brown says is that you know that you know the people behind the scenes were laughing, but the scandal did not even even though that is the thing that would pin them later. It didn't start at that concert. Like it didn't. Like that, it, that wasn't people, the yeah people weren't leaving like what the fuck it right. was ju it was just getting closer but and now you know but it's them. people behind the it's, scenes it's the, yeah it's, it's the, the hush hush it's the telltale heart yes you know yes the yeah, dude perfect yes it's just ticking and ticking and they finally had like they almost really fucked up you right. know what I mean yeah I mean that's like the skipping is literally like the guilt of knowing just like yes. screaming out of the speakers like you're like, a fraud like, Rob you know you're lying yeah. like, it's just like kind of like girl you know it's not true you're a fake but despite that again minor hiccup but really fucking scary shook the foundations of the whole group because they're like shit if that happens again you know that could have happened on TV you know yeah. and while that concert was filmed it wasn't you know like a broadcast thing 
So at the 1990 American Music Awards, Milli Vanilli was nominated for four awards and won three of them. This pushed the group even further into the spotlight, and at the 1990 Grammy Awards, they won the award for Best New Artist. Now, just for reference, other artists who have won Best New Artist include Bobby Darin, The Beatles, Tom Jones, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, The Carpenters, Cindy Lauper, Sade, Tracy Chapman, Mariah Carey, Chance the Rapper, Amy Winehouse, Billie Eilish, and so many more legendary artists. They are, it, like, that. it's... It's said that winning Best New Artist can either make or break you because you're getting recognized as this breakout thing. Can you keep it up? Right. So there's this thing. Most of them absolutely did. You know what I mean? Of but to course, be in the in, to, in the same you, class as people like that, where it's like, damn, like Millie Vanilli won the same award that the Beatles won. Right. But can you keep it up when you're not writing Doing it. or performing the songs? Exactly. And you're pretending like you are. I think that's the, yeah, that's the other thing is like they are... Everyone thinks that they're doing it. So that's another well, thing. Where, well, <laughs> a lot well, of people no, do. Well, the public, that's what it's being sold to. You right. know, it's like because now we're at that phase where it's like, yeah, there was that whole big Drake meek meal thing of like the ghostwriter. And yes. ultimately, he's just like, yeah, sure, sure. It's like whatever. People can forgive that. But this is something else. Well, and it's funny with the, the meek meal Drake thing, because when uh, who was it? Meek Mill came out with a diss track. And he used an image of Millie Vanilli like on the cover with like Drake's face. Right. I mean, this is yeah. I mean, they're like, being like you're a fake, but dude, it's failure, like it should be Farion's picture. Yeah, exactly. Like Robin Fab, they, they again, they just got looped in, and they describe being at the Grammys like as just this horrible knot in their stomach, you know. And and when they announced it, like. When they're naming off the nominees, they're just like, please not us, please not us, please yeah. not us. And it's like, and it's you. And they're like, fuck. So Rob kind of gives this interesting acceptance speech that kind of opens itself up for interpretation where it's like, is he kind of saying that they didn't deserve this? Yeah. Or is mm -hmm. he just being nice and being right. like, oh, this should go to everyone. But we're going to hear his, his Grammy acceptance speech, which was also very short for someone winning their first major award like that. And the best new artist is Millie Vanilli. Uh, we want to say thank you very much, but we want to say there are a lot of artists here in this room, there are a lot of artists outside in the world who can achieve the same award that we achieved today, and it's an award for all artists in the world. Thank you very much. Thank you. The awards signaled the point of no return for Millie Vanilli. Fab described the moment they won the Grammy as a rather grim event. He said that his heart sunk into his chest and he knew that there was a ticking time bomb waiting to blow. Now, this was made even worse by the fact that Rob did a, a Time Magazine interview where what the way that they say it, the way that Rob and Fab kind of explain this is that there was a language barrier, they were very excited, and things they said were taken out of context or they just weren't able to like articulate what they were actually trying to say. Mm -hmm. But basically what came out of his mouth was that Millie Vanilli has done more or just as like just as much for pop music as Paul McCartney did and you know Bob Dylan and like people like that like but he cited the Beatles and, and Bob Dylan I believe and that was like a huge uproar. Yeah, but really what he was saying is like no like we're that big right now. Yeah. Like we're we're the biggest thing in pop right now this year just like the Beatles would have been. Right. But it came out like 
we're as big as the Beatles. <laughs> you know what I right, mean? Right. And you don't fuck around with that, uh, apparently. Well, I mean, they were bigger than Jesus. The Beatles were. So. Yes. I mean, it's they, funny that that's the same same. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, years but later, again, you don't say Beatles, you're bigger than the Beatles. They wrote and performed their songs. So yes, that's it, where this is all different. Exactly. You know? As growing suspicion began to bear down on Rob and Fab, they pleaded with Frank Farian to allow them to sing on the next album. Tensions grew to the point where the two told Farian that they would expose themselves if they were not allowed to sing. This prompted Farian to beat them to the punch, and on November 14th, 1990, he terminated their contracts and exposed the hoax to the media. Right. So they're, so they're like, freaking out. They just won a Grammy. They're probably, like, on a lot of cocaine, just yeah, trying to trying to, le- trying to level it out. Yeah. Um, and th- so they threaten Farian, like, we have to sing on the next one. And he comes back with just, like, no, because your voice is, it's going to sound so different. Yeah. So, like, again, that's, like, that was the promise was like you'll do this one for me and the next one's for you but he all along knew that when they when it was going to come time for them to ask him to sing on the next one he was going to pull this out and yeah. say you can't your voices sound too different and then he pulls this shit he knew it and you know what Farion had made so much fucking money off this he didn't have anything to lose Millie, like Robin Fab had everything to lose from this coming out yes. and they were going to take a huge risk and they had discussed you know what they were going to do with their awards and like they had a plan to do it correctly where they were going to come clean they were going to make a statement. They were going to have music that they recorded themselves. They had a whole thing, and Farian just beat them to the fucking punch. So only a couple days later, in a Los Angeles Times interview, Robin Fab admitted that they had lip-synced live and never recorded vocals on the albums. They claimed they were misled and tricked into signing the contracts. They also said that Clive Davis and all the other studio executives involved were all aware of the arrangement. Shortly after, Farian gave a contradictory interview to the same newspaper. Now, I read these interviews, and you basically have... A very cynical journalist who's just like, as Rob and Fab in their fucking nice hotel room, like, you know, deal with it. And it's like, as Farion sits, you know, spinning around in his desk chair at his massive Pontiac-sized mixing board. Like, there's this already condescending mm-hmm. idea. And, like, right. rather than being like, yo, that like, what does this mean for the music industry as a whole? It's more yeah. like, look at these idiots. Everyone, they bought it. And so, basically, they are about to get, like, all the shit. Right. All the shit. Because they're the face. That's yeah. the risk. That's the risk they unintentionally took when signing this contract right. is that when it, if it does explode, people like I'm not on stage faking it. You're the ones right. up there lip syncing. And, and you know? even though and I I think it's obvious that, you know, we're trying to convey like a great deal of sympathy towards Robin Fab and this. And but they, they did know and they did. Right. Along, and and but, that, but you can't. But they again, were supposed to contractually. Right. Otherwise, they'd be fucked. I think they're exploited. But it is kind of, you, I don't know, it's like that thing of like, well, you're getting all the attention. You're getting right. the girls and the and the recognition and all that stuff. But then it's like when it comes down to it, you're going to get that same face. You're yeah. the media face. You're the thing that is going to receive like this, the this wrath, the wrath of outrage, of public outrage. Yes, exactly. And, you know, in those interviews, that's when Farion says like, yo, like I tried to have them sing. They sounded awful. And then, of course, it gets to, you know, him saying how much they partied and how irresponsible they were. Yeah. And so, whereas Rob and Fab had this incredible work ethic that they always toted and we're like, we've always wanted to do this. We've like, you know, we're willing to sing in front of anyone like just to get our point across. And it's just kind of, again, contradictory uh, statements from from the two sides. Rob and Fab were both shocked and relieved. The way they saw it, they had signed a deal with the devil and were forced into going along with Farian's plan. They assumed that the public outrage would focus on those pulling the strings, but that was not the case. 
While the media backlash relentlessly attacked Milli Vanilli, Rob and Fab decided they would give their Grammys back as a sign of good faith. But before they could act on this good deed, the Recording Academy demanded they return the award, making Milli Vanilli the first and only artist in history to have their Grammy revoked. That is the scandal. The scandal isn't that they got busted. The scandal is they got busted all the way to the point where they had to publicly hand their award back. Right. Yeah, and that's a big thing. They were they were going to I mean the way they tell it, which will give, you know, a platform too, is that they wanted to return it. And then that this is just these PR, these media things. It's whatever hits the news first. So like they were making these plans to do it. And that doesn't know, sound behind as good. the scenes, but it sounds better if the Grammys demand it back. Yes. What's the better news story? Making them even more demons. You know what I mean? It's not two guys that feel bad and were conned now. It's two right. guys that are being punished. Yeah. You know, on every so, every level. And so it is easy to see how you would be swayed by this and you're the you're the public and you're reading like I mean just imagine like, you know, just the family just you know, like at the, the father at the table, table. son yeah. of a bitch. Uh, can you believe You know what? You know, this is so immoral, you know, thieves, con men, you know, right. It's a good story. Right. And so what we have here, this is a a small clip. It's kind of hard to find, but it's from the press conference where they actually give the Grammys back. And they sang a little bit at this, too. But Mm -hmm. this is this is what we were able to kind of pull for you guys. I'm in love with you, girl, because you're on my mind. And you're the one I think about most every time. And when you crack a smile and everything you do. So we give this Grammy back now. Brad Howell and Sean Davis are the real singers, and I think they should get they should get this Grammy. We ended it. Robin Fab ended Millie not Frank Farron. We told him if we can't sing on our record, you have to you have to go on the press and say that we don't sing. Because we couldn't break out of our contract. Just the producer can stop the contract. The artist for me for us it would be difficult to stop a contract and try to release other albums with other producers with other record companies. So we had to pressurize him that he stepped back, but we, we finished this game. How can you, you expect anyone, your fans, the media, anybody, to take this seriously? <laughs> That's a good question. Civil suits began to be filed against the group, many of which claiming that the victim had purchased Milli Vanilli records or concert tickets under false pretenses. Artista, the group's record label in America, even offered to give credit back to anyone who not only purchased an album, but also went to a concert and still had their ticket stub. With all the requirements in hand, the label granted anywhere from a $1 to $3 credit right. towards another Artista release. And, and, this is, <laughs> and this is no, uh, you can't put in the code online. This is like, you gotta like keep the stub. You gotta go then- to the office. Office, and then basically. you gotta like probably mail in some coupon wait to get a one dollar off of a twenty five dollar album. But again, it's kind of, yeah, it's like that's nothing. That's peanuts, you know, because they're obviously they're doing it in a way where like we'll give this thing back to make it seem like you know we're so sorry that we let you down as the consuming public. But right. really, someone back there, you know, did the numbers like we can offer like a three dollar credit and we can still still make a make shit, ton, a of shit money. ton of money, you know. But we can sound like we're the good guys and we're so shocked and we had no idea that this was going right. On. And you know what? No one saw it like that. Everyone was like, "One to three bucks, you assholes." It's, it's kind of right. <laughs> what came they, from that? But they still don't. It's this whole idea of like Robin Fab being the bad guys right. is still just like predominantly the story. 
Absolutely. I mean, and that's that's just how it's always been because, again, when you sign up to be the face, you're the face. It doesn't go away. So Robin Fab faded into obscurity in the wake of the scandal and fell deep into drug use. Frank Farion took members of the original recording group who sang the Millie Vanilli songs on tour as the real Millie Vanilli. The tour was semi-successful, more of a novelty thing, uh, but anything Millie Vanilli was treated like the plague. No one wanted anything to do with this. The real Millie Vanilli, I think their album was called something like... It should like, be called Really Vanilli. Oh, that's good. Really Vanilli. Yeah, <laughs> that, that rocked. But, uh, it, you know, it, it, the ship had sailed. It was, it was gone. No one wanted this. As his drug use hit its peak, Fab decided to get clean and change his lifestyle, whereas Rob went over the edge. Despite their difference in lifestyle, they recorded an album as Rob and Fab. It sold less than 2,000 albums. Compare that to 30, 14 million albums compared to 2,000. They probably sold more before they were Millie Vanilli when they came out as Rob and Fab yeah. in Germany. Mm -hmm. It's That's humiliating to these guys. This pushed Rob further into his depression and self-medicating, and he began committing serious Serious crimes such as assault and robbery. He was eventually arrested and sentenced to three months in jail. Enter Frank Farion. Back to fuck everything up again. Farion helped Rob pay off some old debts and legal fees in exchange for his help with a new project, a project Fab decided to stay far away from, the return of Millie Vanilli. While preparing for the start of this new collaboration, which was supposed to be an album called Back and in Attack, Rob attempted suicide multiple times, once by cutting his wrist and the other by jumping out of a nine-story hotel window. This is getting this, really this fucking getting, dark right yeah. now. Ooh. Fab doesn't want to be anywhere near him, but he's concerned for his friend, you know, but and especially when he's approached to be part of Millie Vanilli again. Right. It's like, oh my God. Because the first thing in his head is, oh, Rob's totally going to do this because he's so fucking desperate. Yeah. You know, and he fell right into the same trap. And it's also, you know, another backstory. It's like, I mean, at this point in the mid 90s, I mean, that kind of like the R&B style had evolved a lot. So like the, the, you know, I don't know, like the sound is not even like totally in vogue. They wouldn't anymore. have been marketable. Um, And then, yeah, Rob and Fab, like they're the only two people that can distinctly say like you've been through what i've been through you right. know so yes. like they had this bond of being like we're the only two guys They're like brothers. this you can't just they go started meet from nothing else. yeah sleeping on the fucking floor in an apartment you know what i mean eating eating scraps break dancing for money and then you know rose to the highest reaches of fame and success only to come crashing down in a way that to this day no one has yeah i mean that's devastating right the series of events was enough for Rob to realize he had hit rock bottom, and in 1998, he decided to go to rehab. The night before his departure to the treatment center, he died of a lethal mixture of pills and alcohol. Now, whether this was an intentional suicide or an accidental overdose is unclear. Fab believes it was an accident because of how positive Rob was feeling, how excited he was to do this treatment. And, you know, once you kind of get clean a little bit, you know, the tendency to go to rehab is, you know, it's well... One, I should party really hard yeah, before I one leave. Last, one you know, last hurrah. One last hurrah, and that can, that can fucking kill you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people say it was suicide. I mean, he was, you know, maybe he wanted to go out on top for what Rob thought was on top. Like, hey, I'm at a party. Like, I'm about to go on this huge trip. Like, this is as good as it's going to get. Millie Vanilli's not going to be like, let's mm -hmm. just let's just fall asleep here. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Or it could have just been, you know, hey, like, you know, it's like, it's like with the Kinnison thing where it's like, oh, fucking, uh, 
you know, you used to do a lot of coke. You know, Kinison, Sam Kinison had this bit about but now when he shows up to a party sober, people like, you know, he got so addicted to drugs because people would be like, oh, you love drugs. Let me lay out a four foot line of cocaine. Right. Whereas right. they're only doing regular lines. He's like, well, shit. And that's kind of, I feel like how it was with him where it's like, oh, you like to party, Rob. Have this, have that. He can handle it. And he can't. It's sad. It's really and, sad. And he died. And that's why I truly view this as, I mean, it, it it is a stretch, I will admit, to say that this was murder at the, you know, at Frank Farion's hand. But I can say that had Farion never came into Rob's life, he would probably still be alive today. Yeah, I think absolutely. that's pretty safe to say. And I would say that Millie Vanilli and the creation of it is responsible for the death of a young man who had a lot of promise as a dancer and was given all the keys to a castle that was built of shit. It's one of those things where it's not like. Um you know, sometimes these catastrophes happen because someone makes a bad decision that's going to pay off in the beginning, and then they don't think about, you know, what's going to happen if this comes crumbling down. And I think that this is a little different because I think that Rob and Fab and Frank, they all did think about what was going to yeah, happen. Maybe not Frank because he, he didn't give a fuck. No, money think, in the bank. But, but no, but I do think he thought about it because I think that that's how he was able to shift it away from him so quickly. Yeah, so yeah, he did right. think about it. He, he had a plan. So he's like, if this ever blows up, I've got the plan for like, you know, what to do to save my own skin. And I think that Rob and Fab also thought about what's going to happen if this blows up. But they just didn't have really enough power. They were in this uniquely strange situation of having the fame, but having no power. So they just kind of were ticking time bombs about it. Yeah. But they did not. It was just that the appeal of the success was too great to even really come up with like a good what if plan. Right. Yeah. There's no way to, you know, it's like a tsunami. It's like the best you can do is sound the alarm and hope that enough people get out in time. It's just it was just going to come crashing down. So what happens after but Frank's I, got a house in the hills. Frank's do, sitting yeah. very, very <laughs> yeah. pretty, very, right, very right. successful. I mean, he still had more platinum-selling acts to produce after this. This yeah. did not affect his career negatively in any way. Let's make that very clear. Yeah, it, it but really I, did not. It, it made people think he was a shyster or made people think he was dishonest. But as far as his music career, absolutely not. It's like he fucking you know, went on to do LaBouche and, and some other things and has so much fucking money and has a very successful studio. He's, he's virtually untouched by this, whereas Fab is performing at the State Fair now. You know? Yeah, it's true, though. I mean, and though he has all his money, I do think at this point, like, I... I would venture to say that he is not like probably like he's not Frank Farron is not like getting invited to big parties now. Like I do think that the, no, yeah, I think at not. this point yeah. a stigma has kind of emerged over him. You know, like if it had just been the Boney M thing, I think he would probably honestly be a lot more of a, like a legacy. Me I too. do I do think that time and like once people have learned the story more, like maybe in 93 or whenever, like the early 90s, when he was able to do LaBouche, he was able to be like, I'm untouched by this. But I do think at this point, like, people are like, all right, that's the guy. Especially once, after this, because no one escapes yeah, culture dumps. Once you know the story, it's really hard to be like, all right, that guy's to not think of him as an asshole. Right, yeah. The dump detectives around the case <laughs> are exposing the hidden truths. After the death of Rob, Fab focused on his health and healing. The weight of being the laughing stock of the world had killed his best friend. That's a heavy line. <laughs> yeah. He never lost sight of his love of music, however, and began touring with one of the original Millie Vanilli singers in a group called Faceless Voice. Genius, by the way. Yes. And even appeared in a KFC commercial parodying the scandal. 
We're going to play a little clip from this KFC commercial. The this whole is, premise. This is really weird. And Ryan found this. Uh, but yeah, he, he used KFC to, in a way, like. Redeem himself. Show himself. It's the power of chicken, folks. <laughs> I don't understand. But Sometimes you just need the kernel on your side. It has nothing to do with chicken, really. Um, I would. I don't know how, what happened here, but <laughs> okay. it's interesting. The it's basis a- of this KFC commercial. And we'll probably post a link on our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps. So, you know. If you're interested enough, you can watch this KFC commercial. The whole thing is KFC was doing this big ad campaign about how their new chicken is 100% real. No preservatives or anything like that. And so they had oh, it's real. they had Fab come on to be like, I know what it's like to not be considered real and blah, uh, blah, blah. And he's going through this whole thing about how tough it is to not be taken seriously and you know, no one thinks you're real. Oh and then at the God. end, he sings the slogan and, and it says the real voice of Fab Morvan and he gets to redeem himself in the studio and this is what he sounds That's like. genius. Chicken one, two, chicken one, two. Okay. Be, <clears throat> be real and enjoy. 100% real chicken. KFC is finger-licking good. How do I want to be remembered? An icon of real, maybe. Who knows? He sounds really good. He's a good singer. He's a good singer. Yeah. It's sad. It's really sad. And you know what? He, I, I'd put money on it. He probably wasn't that good at singing back then when like it, would, it really would have counted. But the promise was there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like him and him and Rob, they had to like when they were doing Robin Fab, their album, they had to like learn how to sing and stuff. Yeah. And like, there's been times like where, where they were on interviews where people were like trying to get them to sing on the spot and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, they were really treated like shit, but this was a positive thing. E- even though, yes, it's silly. It's a KFC commercial. It really meant a lot to, to Fab and millions of people saw that. And in a way it kind of helped close the book for, for Fab. <laughs> right. But it is also a KFC commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The power of chicken, baby. 100% real. And Farion, he's, again, still incredibly successful and absolutely unapologetic about the entire Millie Vanilli scandal. Kind of just leaves yeah. it alone. Like, we'll laugh it off. Like, oh, it's crazy, those assholes. You know, they those party boys, mm-hmm. you know. That's kind of how, how he looks at it. So, as, as we're kind of getting down here to, to the end, I... I did look up because I was interested. I was like, okay, well, they played all those live shows before the scandal. Yeah. What was that like? How was it taken? Did anyone catch on? And I'm going to read this little bit of an LA Times concert review. There's nothing like vanquishing evil to start a show. And so pop phenomenon Millie Vanilli's set on Saturday at Irvine Meadows Amphitheater began with a pair of hooded ninja warriors taking the stage, brandishing swords at the audience in a vaguely menacing manner, only to be confronted by the two Millies, Rob Pilatus and Fab Morvan, both men of the sword it turns out as well. The Millies chased the ninjas up the ramp at the stage rear. Time for a little old-fashioned fight choreography? Not really. Swords were raised, and then, without the slightest sign of a struggle, the black-clad warriors fell to the ground, cringing and quickly disappearing from sight, while Fab and Rob assumed the hero stance. Even by play-acting standards, it seemed like an awfully easy victory for the dynamic duo. Too easy. Millie Vanilli has overtaken the pop charts in just the same kind of fashion, quick and bloodless, and doubters are still trying to figure out what they did to achieve this overnight sensation. 
and number one hit with their first single, Girl You Know It's True, followed by three more chart toppers, all despite the derision of avid of avid naysayers who claim the duo lacks any real talent. To serious rock fans, this achievement seems to have just been too easy, like a fixed fight. Millie Vanilli on stage fighting ninjas (laughs) being used as a metaphor for their career is great. And yes, this is before they were outed Mm -hmm. and still there's like, this is too easy. This this seems a little suspicious that these Uh guys got so famous out of nowhere. Right. And like the idea that, yes, like it's like, yeah, two guys go up stage, to fight a ninja and the ninja just falls down and they get hailed as the hero. That's kind of the story mm-hmm. of Millie Vanilli in a nutshell. Right. So, but, but let's but let's talk a little bit about um, just let's bring it up to to date in a way. Um, and we've kind of hinted at it, but you know, first off, let's mention uh, probably the other big lip sync catastrophe of our Ashley time, Simpson. Ashley Simpson. Um, you know, sh- yeah, she, she kind of blew it, and that that's a different uh, thing though because. She career was, after that. No, she did not. No. Well, her career became being a fucking YouTube video. Right. Is, is what it was. Yeah, right. But yes, if, if you guys aren't familiar, Ashley Simpson, Jessica Simpson's younger sister, went on stage at SNL, one of the biggest, most public platforms to make your debut. Yeah, I mean. And fucking blew it. The band yeah. started sooner. She tried to blame it on the band and said that they played the wrong song. Uh, No. No, they didn't, because the band's actually playing, and then they're well, or seemingly so. Right. No. It's, and then the vocals play while she's still holding the mic down by her side. She does a little kind of country jig, and then wanders off the stage. Infamous. I mean, you could maybe say that. That's like that could be a dump on its own, but not in the shadow. of We didn't Vanilla. learn our lesson. Who knows what it is? Because there was the same. I mean, it was sort of a repeat in terms of the outrage. You know. Right. Um, yeah, and the jokes and everything else. Right, but again, I think that the thing that's interesting now is we brought up, especially um, in the last 10 years, um, lip syncing. That's what we're talking about, lip syncing Lip syncing, yes, which, is, which has, could be a little different than the rap thing but, that we were talking about. Right, but lip syncing and that in combined with like having an artist you know, be the face and having this singular person that has a team behind them, all that stuff is normal now. So, like, for instance, I think, like, if, Mil- like, I don't know if you ever go on, like, famous, like, I don't know, if you if you dig into, like, Ariana Grande or Beyonce stuff, like, you'll, yeah. like, they're so much more open about it. And it's, like, there'll be that picture. And it'll be, like, a picture of, like, 70 people, like, maybe after the tour is over. And it's, like, here's the team, you know? Right. And it's, like, here are these, like, hundreds of people that are working to do that. So, if Millie Vanilli was, had started in, like, 2015, they would have been received like completely differently, I think. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to say they were the sacrificial lamb. Um, you Someone know. had to fall first for it to be okay. Right. Like they're I can't the, say the same about Ashley Simpson. No, no, um, because you can only but, do it once. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and again, there is kind of the thing where she, w- she was born to position of like, I, I want what my sister has. Right. And, you well, know, and the thing with Ashley Simpson's case versus Millie Vanilli is, is the fact that, Ashley Simpson did sing on her records as far as I know, but it's the performance aspect. And the thing is, acts like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, these pop acts at the time that had huge choreographed dance numbers. Right. I mean, they're dancing so intense that like they really couldn't sing. It wouldn't be possible. Right. So like it's assumed that some of these acts lip sync, especially during hugely produced right. stages. But, I, and I, but when you're on SNL and you have a live band playing and the idea is that you're like you're singing your song. Yeah. And that fails. You really have egg on your face. Well, I guess I guess maybe what it is, is it was almost like the 
the immediate backlash of Millie Vanilli was that like when you eventually had these in sync and Britney Spears and now you look at it and you're like they are lip syncing because of the amount of dancing they would do right um, but at the time they just it's really like the late 90s they just tightened up and they're like there will be no more mistakes you know with a Britney Spears Christina Aguilera type right um, and they also would legally start putting signs up or it'd be printed on the back of tickets where you're seeing a pre-recorded performance right like it like and it's like a liability thing where it's like you can't sue us for the, like in case there is a skip you can't sue us because it's you already basically agreed right. to the fact that we're giving you pre-recorded material yeah and and because then I think at some point when I mean the way I saw it was it was with rappers um, where there was that trend, which I think has honestly kind of died down a little bit, but there was that sort of trend where all these like big trap rappers, you know, me working at a music venue, I was seeing it and they were, you know, having the vocal recorded track on the thing and they were making no attempts to, to act do it. to even lip sync to it. And so I think that that was this big, huge counterpart to what we see with Millie Vanilli, where it's like now people are willing to pay to see the act Yes. Not in there. They want to see that rapper. They, they For me, it was Riff Raff. That was the first time I was seeing Riff Raff. And like, he's not even trying to pretend. But people you don't have to are paying because they want to they want to take a picture with Riff Raff. Right. And so the celebrity power is even more important than like him trying to pretend to perform his songs. Right. So and that's that, how it is with all, like a lot of mainstream right, right now is there's always like they just play the song and your mic might be on, but it's just really, yeah, or like stuff like right. that, you know, or they might just do the chorus or something, but really it, it's it not like, and that's not every rapper, but that's, it's a lot. No, right? no, no. I, yeah. I mean, I think that that honestly, I think that it got so bad um, in like, I don't know, 2013 to 15 era that like, I think that there was a pushback where like then rappers like, all right, like this is becoming a, a parody. Better, yeah. Like, cause I just feel like I see more rappers that maybe just like, are like yeah, we need to perform. Yeah. We need songs. to actually do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So, um, that, that, but, but none of these yeah. things. Yeah. Millie Vanilli. It was that case. It's just no such luck. And it they begs were the, the question, but of jokes. For so long. For so still to this day, people laugh. And you know what? I feel bad. And if you watch the Vlad TV interview with Fab, he seems like the nicest guy. And this, you know, he, he lost his best friend. He mm -hmm. became a laughing stock. He's forever demonized. Like people want to see him just to see him maybe fuck up. Right. You know, but he's not gonna because mm -hmm. he's talented. So it begs the question, what is the dump here? Is the dump Millie Vanilli themselves? Is the dump Frank Farion? Is the dump lip syncing? Is the dump 80s music? Or is the dump the thing that we forgot culturally, expectation of talent? Is the thing that we flushed down the toilet, is it really the act? Or is it just the fact that we used to hold our artists to a higher standard where now we do not? That's kind of the question that I'm being asked because... You have Millie Vanilli, the biggest scandal in American music history, essentially, because a Grammy was revoked. They were faking it. Huge thing. Nowadays, while it is the, the voice on the record and it is the face you're seeing live, you're not hearing them play. And that's accepted now. And it's almost what it's what it's not only is it accepted, it's expected. So it makes you wonder, did we just give up on caring or is it just a new age of music? That, mm. That's kind of where I leave it. Okay. No, and, and that's a big point. I do want to like rebut to it slightly because I will say, um, just to, just to needle it in there slightly is that, um, performances have gotten to this like spectacle level where it's just like, no, we're going to have these 
dances and we're going to have 100 people on stage and we're going to have these crazy lights marching and band yeah. right and so um it's going to be that it's just so much more is put i don't know it's like so much more is put into the entire the machine of like the industry and and that doesn't necessarily negate what you're saying it's like no yeah yeah um, but people are more content with seeing something and having that be the spectacle mm -hmm. you know what i mean everything that you see nowadays at a major festival or a major concert is crafted to be t having yourself be taken with or to right. film and, and go viral and and they expect thousands of people to be filming this thing so they want to make it as yeah. visually pleasing as possible because it's not like people are sharing sound bites from concerts they're sharing photos and video back in the day it was all about the music when you went to a concert maybe you had a disposable camera or whatever but you weren't bringing in video recorders or, right. or audio recorders you know trying to bootleg a milli vanilli concert mm -hmm. you went to hear them sing but 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 also maybe and again to flip back it's like maybe you know they went full milli like maybe <laughs> maybe you never go full you, milli you can't like because they they just did maybe it's like you got to do at least one of the things you know and right. so maybe it was just too much where they just didn't you know because with the drake thing sure you know he survived that controversy maybe he doesn't write all his raps maybe but, people don't care but he's <laughs> he is rapping them at some point you are hearing drake right so maybe it was just too much and that's kind of why i think it's a dump because it's it's almost like the wild west of like figuring out the pop machine and yes. it was it, it was like and this was a huge speed bump yeah this was a big failure we're going to learn from that and then we're going to make this pop thing even tighter and bigger and more profitable never again will more. there be a milli vanilli yeah you know yeah. what i mean like it's like milli vanilli is like a snafu it, it's like it a won't be in now. that way i mean like i guess you now you have artists that kind of like you know because even though the drake i don't know even though the drake thing was a big deal and the fact that it didn't derail it it's like it's not that whole drake like Ghost Rider controversy, it's just not gonna really go. It, that's gonna be that's a not footnote. Even, that, it's not even a dump. Yeah, it's not even a dump. I mean, I guess now, like maybe. I mean, the closest thing now is maybe just like having some certain, you know, certain big performance getting canceled. You know, that yeah. is probably the equivalent of it. Um, but yeah, in terms of, the, you know, that's but that is kind of relates to like an outside thing. Whereas this is like the performance was like impure and like you yes, know whatever the, the they performance lied the was music I was bastardized. Deceived. Yes, it's not about the it's not about I, Millie Vanilli were not shitty people. I would I would they, be they, they were lip syncing yeah, I would and be that's what they got to in see trouble for. If like something like that were to happen, where like the concept of an artist's integrity were to ever be put on like such a scandalous display again, I I would doubt. I don't, it. I I don't know. Say, yeah, I would doubt it too. Yeah. Well, with that being said, folks, for exclusive Culture Dumps content and Podcast 99 content, go to patreon.com slash culture dumps. Thank you for listening to this episode. We have plenty more Culture Dumps coming to you in the future. I'm Ryan Lichten. I'm Parks Miller. And thank you for listening to Culture Dumps. So we give this Grammy back now.